Welcome to the 180 Podcast. You are listening to a teaching of the 180, a new church committed to learning to love Jesus and love like Jesus. Our prayer is that God would use this teaching to help you grow closer to Him and that you would feel moved to join us in person, where you can grow in community with the larger 180 family. Bienvenue à la balado-diffusion de l'Église 180. Vous écoutez un enseignement de l'Église 180, une nouvelle Église qui s'est engagée à apprendre à aimer Jésus et à aimer comme Jésus. Notre prière est que Dieu utilisera cet enseignement afin de vous aider à vous rapprocher de Lui et que cela vous donne envie de vous joindre à nous en personne où vous pourrez vous épanouir au sein de la communauté qu'est la grande famille de l'Église 180. everyone and thanks so much already for uh, we've never really had like a baptism little sermon and uh, baptisms and uh, we're just all learning as we go here it's a mess it's a mess some of you'll be really happy that I have to preach shorter so some of you are like finally I'll stop preaching too long uh, some of you didn't get that some of you are, some of you I don't know what you're But if uh, I didn't get a chance to say hi and to personally meet you I, I want to say a special welcome again to those maybe who are visiting maybe just here for the first time for baptisms or connecting online for the first time. It's just such a gift for us to be learning and growing and uh, inviting you to listen to how Jesus might be speaking to you. Maybe for you, that's like trying to think about questions you have about spirituality or questions you have about religion or dealing with pain that maybe you're carrying related to the church or something a pastor said or something a church did once. And, and maybe God is inviting you into a season of forgiveness into a place of healing, into a place of, you know, moving to the next chapter. And all of you got a bit of a picture of that in the baptism. And this morning, I want to talk a little bit about what baptism means by kind of telling you some bigger stories in the Bible. And, and I, before I do that, I want to just highlight something really important, that if you're at the place in your life where you've been baptized and you maybe been a Christian and, and you sense that you're ready to really grow deeper, At the 180, we always use the phrase that anything that grows always has roots. And so part of our spiritual life is to let God put our roots down deep, just like when you think of a big tree, right? The strength of the tree is not what's out of the ground. It's actually what's under the ground that keeps it strong. It's kind of the same in our spiritual life, that God has to put deep roots in us to, to be anchored to things that hold us in the storm. We, we have a class that we've done here before, and it's about spiritual maturity and growing in your maturity, and it's called EHS. You'll see a slide here for it, and we just want to highlight that maybe for you, uh, this is a great step to uh, consider. It's maybe in the announcement section but, uh, or in the message section. You'll see it, but in May, we're launching this class, and so we just want to put it on your radar so that you would kind of know and, and maybe think about before you really head into summer mode, which is like, I don't know, the beach or whatever, you know, that you would say, you know what, I'm going to just for a few weeks set aside a night to kind of learn and to go deeper and, and to just grow, and maybe you've never done that. And it's always great to do this with other people because it reminds you that you're not the only one that needs to grow. I always find that discouraging or sometimes we struggle with the fact that we think oh, only we have these problems or it's only our issue, right? But God calls us all to kind of take the next step and to grow. And this morning as we begin, I want to talk to you about this sense of what it means to grow by looking at the Bible again and by kind of reminding all of you, and we've already tried to do this, that this is still the Easter season, If you want to see how confusing this is, go to the person you see in the store or the next time you meet somebody and say to them, Happy Easter, and see how they look at you. They'll likely say to you, like, what do you mean? Easter happened. And if you've been taught that Easter was like a day in the calendar, Easter maybe is still just like a festival or a vacation day or some religious story. But for Christians, Easter is not just a day or a weekend. It's actually a season. And you might not even know this, but in the Bible, Jesus actually, after he resurrects, will stick around for 40 days and visit people and be with his disciples. And if you were here last week, we talked about make breakfast for his disciples. And he's there and he's with them and he's calling them to the next chapter, to the next steps. And let me tell you, they have a lot of questions. Don't you have a lot of questions? I would have a lot of questions. I'm like, okay, let me get this straight. You were dead and now you're alive. The same guy. Like, yeah. Are you sure? And he'll say things like, you want to see? And actually, one of the most beautiful things is that Jesus then starts to say to his followers, I'm going to call you to this place where you're going to have to learn to trust me even when you're tired and overwhelmed and afraid. Would you just trust me? 
to go to the next place. And this has always been hard for me because Easter for me growing up was always this something you believe fast to get over, you know, some problem. Your family invited you to church, you just have to go to this thing, whatever, and then you just move on and go back to your life and do your own things. And for some of you, maybe you also had that other moment where Easter is really about like making sure you did enough good things so when you die, you don't go to the bad place, you know, like that's all it is. And you don't realize that Easter in the Bible is actually so much more beautiful than that. It's this invitation to this next step. And many Christians in the Bible experience this moment where they're tired and overwhelmed and struggle to, to not quit. We actually wanted to call this series something very clever. And I had a lot of different names that I think we'd call this series. And then the staff said, all of those are weird and dumb. So the staff said to me, no. And so we got rid of that staff. We fired that staff. We got new staff. <laughs> I'm kidding. Somebody's like, "Woo! All right, that's that's what I'm talking about right there." Somebody defends the pastor, <laughs> Pastor Michael. <laughs> Amen. All right. <laughs> but we thought, how about we think of a word or an idea in our culture that means to quit too early? How about we think of something that everybody does almost regularly when we forget that we're called to commit to something deeper and we're just interested for a little while and then we disconnect? And we thought one of the words that captures that in our culture is to unsubscribe. Have you ever done that? I've done it all the time, and I'm confession moments. You're at the cash. They're like, hey, can we have your email and your cell number? Like, no, no. And they're like, hey, I just, you get 20% off. You're like, you can have my kids for 20% off. I don't see. Let's go. <laughs> and they're like, yeah, but you have to subscribe to our website. And you give it to them. And the girl says, but don't worry. After you can unsubscribe, you can unsubscribe. And you're like, is your manager here? I don't think you're supposed to say that part. It's a way of saying, no, but just for now, there's a benefit for you, but when you don't like this anymore, you can move on, right? I think over time, this happens in our lives with how we think about relationships, with how we think about our faith in God, how we think about maturity and growing. Sometimes it impacts our marriages. Whoa. They're taking over. I'm warning you. And this morning, I want to talk about this idea as we start this series about what it means for you to pay attention to the things that maybe tempt you to just walk away or unsubscribe or move on too quickly where you miss the things that God has in store for you, but sometimes you disconnected or you weren't paying attention or you didn't commit to that next place of going deeper in your relationship with God. And maybe for you, you think about your life and you're like, I remember that moment, I remember that moment, but just so we don't feel discouraged, I want to just highlight a time in the Bible where Christians were feeling this. And it's found in the book of Galatians. Paul writes to the Christians. This is what he says. It always encourages me, and you'll see it on the screen. I think we have that slide. Here we go. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Paul's writing to Christians who's saying, you know what, there's going to be times when you feel tired and weary and overwhelmed and you got into maybe this, maybe because you were nervous or somebody got baptized and you're like, I'm getting baptized. You know, it's like Christianity, Braveheart mode. Oh, yeah. Christianity becomes this feeling, this wild experience. And then the first challenge you have, you're like, there is no God. No one here, but some people do that. And in the Bible, we already see Christians who've said yes to Jesus and they love Jesus. And Paul has to say to them, hey, don't, don't just quit now. Like, let us together, let's not become weary in doing the right things, in doing the things that honor Jesus. For at the right time, you will start to get a glimpse of how God has been using you in a special way. And I'd be lying to you if I didn't tell you the truth that I've had moments in my life where I was discouraged and I'm like, you know what, I'm, I've done my best and I'm just tired and, you know, God can have them or they can do with that and you're just ready to move on. And actually, one of those painful moments for me was when we started this church. I still remember some of those early uh, just services where it was freezing, the heater wasn't on. I was once preaching to people in their winter jackets, and I had this moment where I'm like, they just can't wait to get out of here. I'm so boring. I got to preach shorter. I had all these, you know, you have doubts in your mind. You're feeling all these pressures. I'm like, it's, it's the worship team's fault. It's the coffee team's fault. I'm looking for people to blame. Who, who do I blame next? We got rid of that staff too. We just, we're just getting rid of everybody. <laughs> Actually, they're, they're here. They've been serving. But an even more painful moment for me when I was like probably late 20s, early 30s, I was pastoring at a church in Ontario. Very painful situation. Broken, messy, 
the things you think about of a messy church where people don't tell the truth and, you know, all the, the, the reasons you need to leave church, they were all there. And I was on staff and I was like, I can't be here anymore. I don't think I want to be a pastor much longer. Like, this is crazy. And I was a leader, but I couldn't make any changes. And, and I think I was immature and young and frustrated and I didn't know how to communicate well or lead well, none of those things. And I remember I went home and I wrote a resignation letter to give to the leadership of the church. Not only because I wanted to be done with church, but I wanted to be done with God. And I wrote this up. And, and right before I had, I had a meeting at the office, there was a mentor of mine. He was in his 70s. And we would often have coffee and he would tell me funny jokes. They weren't funny, but it was great. And he loved me and he'd always encourage me as a leader. And we had breakfast and he said to me that day, I know you feel like running away, but God is doing something in you that you have to trust him with now. And I was like, no, I'm ready to like resign. Now why did I meet him? Don't you hate when God brings wisdom from people and you just want to ignore them? And I remember that moment where I was like, really? I was tired and overwhelmed. I felt like I wasn't good enough and things were never going to change. Have you ever felt that? And that day, because of that mentor, he did something so beautiful for me. He let me vent my frustrations. He let me be weary. He let me be tired. But he told me, don't give up. Do not unsubscribe from the story God has you on. Don't disconnect too soon. And I'm so happy that I listened to the wisdom of that mentor. But because of those moments and those early, you know, next years of learning, it helped me to grow as a leader, to one day come and plant a church. I would have probably never met any of you if I didn't listen to that mentor. But God is doing some things in your life and in my life where you feel tired and you feel overwhelmed. You have a lot of questions and they're good questions. But don't, don't give up just yet. Don't unsubscribe. Don't disconnect. Don't just like move on too quickly because you might miss the next chapter and it's going to be more beautiful than you ever imagined. You will see things in your kids and in your marriage and in your coworkers of God transforming people because you were there, because you just listened, because you cared, because you prayed. God's going to use you. Some of you, I hope you remember this this morning, that God has already used you to transform and to encourage the people who are being baptized. They've been in your home group. They've been in your home. You've laughed. You've cried. You've made jokes. You listened to the teaching. You're just pouring into one another, right? We're being the church together. Some of the earliest Christians who are following Jesus on that first Easter have to make sense of what's next. What are they going to, where do they go next? We often think, well, now we just wait to go to heaven, right? That doesn't tell us what the Bible tells us. The Bible tells us, one of the writers says is this, that when they saw Jesus, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. He goes on to say, and Jesus will go on to say, and I am with you as you do these things. I am with you as you continue to tell people that I was dead, but now I'm alive. And all authority in the world, all the strength that they will need to be obedient, and to be faithful, and to repent of their old ways, and to say yes to the ways of God, is available to them. So you go and tell them that. I don't know about you, I'd be like, Jesus, I'm just a bit tired. Like, just, like, we just went from like a crazy few days of like you were dead and now you're alive and our families don't believe us yet. Like, we have a lot of questions. And I love the Bible tells us some of them who are there are not that excited. Like, they're already, they're, like, they're doubting still. Maybe you felt that, you know, even if you've been in a home group, we've encouraged you to think about that. What does it mean to be a church that makes room for people who are worshiping and people who are doubting? What a beautiful gift of maturity that allows us to be with other people if they're not there yet. And they're doing it right away at the beginning of the story of Easter, the beginning of the story of Jesus. As Jesus is alive, they're doing this and they're realizing that one of the things they have to learn is to call people to be baptized. Baptism is one of those confusing things for a lot of people. I have a lot of questions. And we actually do a class with everybody who's been baptized. And, and, and I think that some of the questions that come up are questions about like, you know, if I've been baptized, and I'm not sure, I have a question about people who baptize infants, and people get baptized later, and can you baptize, all these great questions. So if you have those kinds of questions, you want to stick around. We have classes for that, and Bible studies for that, and different times where we learn about that. But in the early church, they have similar questions. 
You know, for the first time, they're going to start baptizing people different than how they've done baptism. They've seen baptism. John the Baptist, who came before Jesus, some of you know this, was baptizing. If you don't know, La Saint Jean's around the corner and you'll get a little wake-up call, right? Like, John the Baptist is the baptizer, but now Jesus is like, when you baptize people, it's not going to be the same. They're not just only going to repent of their old way of life. They're going to understand that their life now is being set in motion in the ways of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. That's the motion now. They're like, okay, that's new. Somebody write, somebody write that down. We've got to remember that part. So when we baptize people, we're not just making this stuff up. It's the most ancient Christian practice to baptize people who are feeling a sense that their old life is dying inside of them and this new life is bubbling up inside of them. And, and part of it is a mystery. That's why our questions are fresh, because we're like, we have another question. This verse says that that's all great, right? But part of it is a mystery of how God's grace is at work. The water's not magical. I don't have any special magic powers. Pastor Michael and I don't have, like, secret skills. But the Holy Spirit is at work in a powerful way. Before the baptism, in the water, after the baptism, all at work. And one of the most beautiful things we remind people that I want to remind you, and you've heard it in the testimony, is that baptism doesn't make you perfect. You don't come out of the water like best husband ever, best kid ever, you know? I'll yell at Luca soon. (laughs) You know, it's not, but but it's this feeling like, oh, I'll do this when I'm perfect. I'll do this when everything's perfect. That's not how it works. Actually, the prerequisite of getting baptized is to realize you will never be perfect. Yet you are loved by God. And he's calling you to this deeper place. So would you do this? Those earliest Christians are thinking about how to do this. They're wondering. And what we're told in the Bible, and if you don't have a Bible, you've never read the Bible, you might not know this, that after this moment, the disciples do what Jesus tells them to do. I'm so happy they were obedient. They start to learn how to do this. They start to learn how to go and tell people about Jesus, and they start inviting them to go deeper. And they know that along the way, there will be temptations for them to get tired, to unsubscribe, to quit, to move on. They will feel the temptations of maybe saying, like, this is harder than we thought. And one of the things that's going to be shocking for them is when Jesus says to them that he's leaving soon. They're like, what? So you gave us this big responsibility to go into the world and you're leaving? Like, where? He's like, it's complicated. Don't worry about it. And he actually says, no, actually, if you remember, it's actually really great for you that I leave. Because another one is going to come with a power that's going to strengthen you to do these things. And again, if you're new... In Christianity, that's one of the essential doctrines of the Holy Spirit at work in us, reminding us and teaching us everything that Jesus spoke about. That's, that's going to continue to happen now. And the earliest Christians, when they did baptisms, they were always trying to convey these mysteries, these beautiful things that God was at work. You know, sometimes the earliest Christians fasted for weeks at a time before they ever were baptized. And the first thing they ate after their baptism was a, their, a communion. They took communion together for the first time. We have other examples of Christians when they were baptized in the early church. One of the things they did for people is that as soon as they came out of the water, and those in the class will remember this, when when they came out of the water, they were given a spoon or a little bit of honey to taste on their mouth. It's the first thing that they should taste because it was meant to connect to them that the life that God is calling them into is the life of milk and honey that overflows with God's, God's goodness. This was language from the Old Testament. So on your way out, we're giving everybody honey today. Honey, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. The elders were like, what? (laughs) One day, one day. But one of the things that will happen next is that people who listen to this are going to start to get baptized. And we're told at one point in the Bible, we're not told everywhere that people are baptized, like thousands of people get baptized. Probably in an open lake and in a a, a, a living water was called. So it was like open natural water where people were baptized in the water. And as they were baptized, they realized that the baptism was the next chapter of their life to grow in the ways of Jesus. And we're told by one of the writers in the Bible that these people who were baptized, they devoted themselves and they committed themselves to some important things. Let me read it for you. It says that they, do- they devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. This is kind of the earliest examples we have of what Christians did when they were baptized. They got baptized, and then they said, we're going to prioritize our lives, our schedules, our money, our time with our family around these kinds of things. What kinds of things are you devoted to? What kinds of things have you committed your time and energy to? Think about all the good things, like our kids, education, 
work, maybe a career, maybe a business. Those can be good things. Actually, the Bible says they're blessings of God. But when those good things start to move into the place that are above the things that shape us into the people who've been baptized in the way of Jesus, the Bible starts to use the word idolatry to tell us that if our lives are not rooted and devoted to the right kinds of things, sooner or later, we will convince ourselves that this is too hard to keep following Jesus. We will convince ourselves and unsubscribe from the story that at one point we were so excited about. We got baptized. You know all the tears and all the feelings you feel when people get baptized? They will not be enough to keep you in this story. They will not. Everybody who got baptized and everybody who learned about Jesus now got formed in the way of Jesus and they devoted themselves to these kinds of things. Yet we live in a culture that chases experience after experience like an idol. And then they wonder why they're never happy. And don't worry, marketing is here to provide some new options. Every week there's something you've never tasted. This. Thank God that the earliest Christians didn't just follow those feelings without saying, no, no, Jesus has to form something in us now. If you're taking notes over the next few weeks, we're going to talk a little bit about these different parts. And one of them is that the, the apostles' teachings, those who are baptized, start to go back and think about all the teachings of the apostles from when they were with Jesus. And then they start to do this beautiful thing, which is they regularly start to gather together, and the word is fellowship. We'll talk more about what that means. They're learning the Bible. They're, they're not the Bible like we have it yet, but they're learning the teachings of Jesus together, and they're doing it with one another. You know why? Because they encouraged others in the room who were discouraged. They celebrated with those who were being changed. They paid attention to those who didn't have enough, and they gave. They started to do this with others. And then the other thing is they, they broke bread. We do this at the one regularly. We take communion because Jesus reminded us to do that and to do it regularly and to do it in such a way to remember Easter, to remember the meaning of all of this. And then they prayed. They didn't pray like they used to pray. If you remember, Jesus taught them how to pray in new ways, so they had to learn that. Maybe for you, you're thinking about your own life and you're realizing that you're devoted to a lot of things. If you don't know what it is, like you pull out your phone soon, some of you are already on your phone, and you look at your calendar. It'll tell you fast what you're devoted to. So many people in your life are depending on you being devoted to different things this year. So many people that love you are hoping and praying that you become more devoted to the things of God than just to the things of this world. Will you listen and consider that this year? At your own pace, would you just say, I've never thought about like the teachings of Jesus in a deeper way. I've never made it like a real commitment to celebrate communion regularly, to remember that I have to die and Jesus has to be alive in me and I can't just live for myself. I've never done that. Maybe for some of you, nobody's ever taught you how to pray. Even the disciples had to learn how to pray. So we would love to help with all of this. But this is happening in the story of the earliest Christians. As they think about what it means to die to themselves, And as I wrap up, I just want to remind you that this great image that starts to happen as they devote themselves to these things is their old life is dying in them because they were baptized under the water as an image of dying to themselves and being raised to life. If you've ever seen our baptismal tank over here, we actually have a verse engraved right on top of the lid. And I want to read it for you so you can see what it means for people as they're getting baptized. This is a passage about baptism. It says this, Paul writes to the church in Rome. He says, We were buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. That we too would be ready and open and willing to see our baptism as this great reminder, this marker of when we knew Jesus was saying, it's time to be devoted to a different way of life if you're going to grow in the way of Jesus. It's time to pay attention to all the things around you that will lead you to want to disconnect or quit or move on too quickly. And you know what I find is the most painful thing? That you realize that you moved on too quickly in your faith when people ask you questions about your faith. I find this all the time. I was a youth pastor for years, and oftentimes as teenagers start to grow up, they have questions about like, why are you a Christian and why do we believe this? And why do we have church? And why, what is this thing with the water? And what are this? What are that? And I remember with parents, I would sit with them. They're like, our kids have a lot of questions. You should do a class. 
And I would be like, how about you tell your kids the answers to those questions? They're like, oh, we don't, we don't really know. You've been a Christian for 30 years? Let's just be honest, right? At some point, this becomes like something that we do, but we disconnect it from being devoted to learning and growing and being able to answer the simplest questions. That doesn't mean you have to be a pastor. That doesn't mean you have to be a leader. But it means that you should be ready to be devoted to these kinds of things together to encourage someone along to maybe say, you know what, that's a great question. Let's pray or explore that together. The next generation is going to have a lot of good questions for us. And they're going to have questions about why do we use this water and what does it mean when somebody goes in the water? Well, let me just give you a very easy reminder if you need one. And this will always be the image of what it means that we die to ourselves and we're raised up to new life so that we can walk in newness of life. You know, I read this and I'm thinking, so I could die and go to heaven. That's how most people read this. And then I could go back and live my life the way I want. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says you're baptized and you're raised up so now you can begin to walk in this new life because you've been devoted to different kinds of things. Maybe for you, this is a great season of committing to paying attention to what you're devoted to. I know what it's like to feel the pressures and the burdens and the feelings of just, it's a lot, I'm not sure, I wasn't ready. And yet Jesus is like, hey, careful, careful. Don't disconnect too soon now. Don't get through the Easter You know, it was nice. I went to church once and I'm done. No, no, no. We're going to need a commitment to be devoted because we live in a world that constantly tells us, you could just be interested in this until something else shows up that's better. That will never work in getting serious about following Jesus. That will never work if you really want to grow and understand the life and the joy and the hope that Jesus has for you. It'll never work. You will have to pay attention to what you're devoted to. If you need help, and I'm going to wrap up, and I'm just going to have the the band just play a bit, but if you need help to think about this, even this week, take a look of the last month and how you spent your money. Just take a look of where your money went. It'll give you a good gauge of the things you're devoted to. You don't have to tell anyone. Just you and God. Or you look at your, the, the resources and how your heart is committed to certain things, and you're like, this is not even close to a life devoted to Jesus. I actually don't even live like someone who would even be a Christian. Maybe God's going to say, it's great. I love you. Let's just commit now to deeper devotion. You know, the earliest Christians, as they started to follow Jesus, and as they were devoted to this new way of life, as they said yes to Jesus and understood, like, there's this transformation, but now they're going to grow into this transformation. They decided that they were going to start to correct things that people believed about God that were wrong, and they did the most profound thing. They started to pool their money together. And I just have a simple question as I wrap up. What do you think they bought with that money? We actually know that one of the first things that Christians will buy as they say yes to Jesus in the early church, as they pool their money together. Like, what do you think if you had to, if we were like on Jeopardy? Is that still on TV? Yeah, I think it's okay. Uh, If you had to pick, what do you think Christians did with that money? What did they buy first? Think about it. Hard, right? Like, ah, they they bought a church. Not a building. One of those profound things that the Christians did, we know, is they bought a piece of land, and they bought the land to make a cemetery. You're like... I know people that don't even walk in a cemetery. Like, oh, bad energy. Oh, my goodness, I don't like this. The earliest Christians will buy a piece of land. And we know today, in parts of, uh, of, of, uh, of the, the, the Mediterranean world and a lot of that time, some of the archaeologists are finding some of the oldest cemeteries that we know were land bought by Christians to begin to tell people that they should have a different perspective on what death means. Because Easter not only had destroyed death, but baptism now said that death is just a passageway to a new life, a life filled with joy in following Jesus. We actually have a picture, and I have a picture for you to see some of these catacombs, the oldest ones. Some of you may have even been to them. We know that these small niches were carved into tunnel walls for poorer Christians who would never be able to be buried, built by wealthier families whose members pooled their money for a more dignified resting place for other Christians. This gives us a picture of what they were devoted to with their money. 
They said, we have to tell everybody that because Jesus is alive, we have a totally different perspective of death. It doesn't bother us. Cemeteries are are places where we're reminded that this is the beginning of new life that's emerging all around us. And they did this together. You know why they were able to do this? And why it's so hard for us? Because many of them had been baptized and they had already died to themselves. See, if you already died to yourself in baptism, other death just doesn't faze you. But if you've never understood that Jesus says, just die to yourself now and begin to live this new life that I've called you to, you're always going to have the view of death like the world gives you a view of death. Oh my goodness, is God even real? Christians are buying cemeteries. They're like, real? Of course he's real. Death has been destroyed. I gave you a name for Jesus last week. Do you remember what it was? The death killer. That's why Christians said we are devoted to new things now. A new way of life. So I'm going to pray for us and I'm going to invite you to make a commitment over the next few weeks to say, God, help me to be devoted to some new things. Help me to reprioritize some things in my life that right now are not in any way shaping me in the way of Jesus. And you'll see how God will call you to this deeper place because feelings about God will not be enough if they're not formed in the way of Jesus. They must be formed in the way of Jesus. Let's pray before we celebrate baptisms again. Father, thank you for the gift of new life that is bubbling up in us and in those who are here, those watching, and those who are getting baptized. Jesus, we pray in the words of the scriptures, you would help us to see how our death glorifies the Father in such a way that new life becomes possible. And I pray even now that as we see the next group of people being baptized, we would have a deeper appreciation for this gift and this invitation that you make to all of us who are ready to say yes to you, Jesus. We pray this in your name. Amen. now in our uh, baptisms and uh, part of our our hope just as we do this together as we think about baptisms as a witness that if you're new here or it's been a long time maybe that you've been in a space like this or just exploring what it means to have faith in Jesus that just witnessing the mystery of what happens here uh, would just encourage you that you get a taste of what it means to say yes to Jesus and the new life he wants to do in, uh, in you, but we remind uh, just all of us as a church each time we do a baptism that it's also just a, a reminder for us of our first baptisms for those who are baptized, to remember and to pay attention to how God began new life in each of us, and a reminder of what it means now to just trust in what He's doing, what it means maybe to, to, to again be devoted in new ways to how He wants to grow that new life in each of us. So that's our prayer just as we continue with these baptisms this morning. I'm going to invite Jennifer to come up now. As Jennifer uh, makes her way in, I know she was sharing with us that she was particularly nervous uh, just in preparing. I think we can relate to that, many of us. And uh, so Jennifer, I, I'm gonna, I know I'm going to read your story in a, mi- in a minute. Uh, is it colder now? <laughs> Bit of a wake-up call doing it at the end, right? Um, but just as I read your story, you know, I think about Jennifer, just how special it is that as nervous as you were, you recognize the importance of this step of obedience. And I think it's such a witness to just all of us, maybe those who are uh, just unsure on the fence and just worried about doing this publicly. Just it's a reminder that our baptism is not just for us. Your baptism is not just for you. It's for all of us to witness. And so thank you for taking that step and for encouraging all of us. We're really proud of you. I'm going to read Jennifer's story. And I want to mention, too, Jennifer and then Stilianos are going to come up. And for both of them, one thing that's unique about their story is they actually come from a church faith traditions that are different than ours, different, different traditions. And we want to say how just special that is, that that's part of their story. And thank 
the family and the friends who have actually uh, walked with them in those early stages of their life, in those traditions, and actually really just the ways that you introduced the faith to them and planted a seed maybe before they even recognized how God was working, in- introduced them to important practices and traditions. So we really want to thank you for that and thank you just for being part of this and witnessing this with us. So with that, let me read this. This is what Jennifer says. I grew up in a Catholic home. My grandfather read the Bible every day and would speak of Jesus often. My grandmother would say we were a gift from Jesus, and it just felt like Jesus was part of the family, always around and talked about often. Growing up, I always felt as though I had a connection to God. I would pray every night, speak to him when I felt troubled. All that time, I had the start of a relationship with him, but I didn't really know him. I lacked knowledge and didn't really understand what Jesus had done for me. After my uh, father had passed away in 2011, my now husband played a big role in teaching me about faith in Jesus and guiding me in my journey. I started going to Bible studies, church, and reading the Bible when I could. Some people have these wonderful, powerful stories about how they came to believe, but I never really had that. I kept waiting for a moment that would be like fireworks before getting baptized, but it never came. Instead, it came gradually understanding, knowledge, faith, commitment, and love. When I heard that the 180 was having baptisms this Sunday, I jumped at the chance. I was finally ready to take the step of obedience. I'm closer to God now than I've ever been. I want to solidify my faith. I'm sure of it, and I believe that all my past experiences with faith that my family modeled for me were leading me here. Although my grandfather isn't here with me, I think that he would be proud of me for taking this step. I think we can all affirm that. Following God and having that relationship with Him has been life-changing. It doesn't make me perfect, far from it. I make mistakes, and sometimes I still may not feel worthy of His love and sacrifice, but I know what He's done for me and for all of us, and I thank Him every day. Amen. Jennifer, anything you want to add to that? I'm kidding, I'm kidding. I'm just going to get Jennifer to say one word, and it's a really important word in a moment. Today, uh, Jennifer, will you make a public confession that you are saying yes to Jesus, who is calling you to follow him? Will you commit your life to him, freeing you from sin and death, knowing your sins are washed by his sacrifice? Yes. (laughs) Yes, that was a yes, if you didn't hear. Amen, amen. So Jennifer, based on your uh, profession of faith, your commitment to following Jesus and to walking in his ways, I now baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Can I invite uh, Stilianos to come up? For those who don't know Stilianos, him and his wife Tina and their, their boys have been uh, just a special part of the 180. And uh, Stilianos, I want to th- I thank you for doing this this morning and just say how proud we are of you. And uh, just as I've gotten to know you, really how you have been learning what it means to uh, build roots as part of just growing in a church and in faith and just the, the different ways that you've modeled that at home with your family and just being involved in the church. And so I just want to thank you. Uh, baptism is really such a beautiful uh, kind of public uh, image we have of what God is doing internally. And so we're just thankful for how he's building roots in ways that are now becoming visible. And uh, we just pray that he just continues to do that in you and just as you learn to just be a witness to him. So thanks. I'm going to pass the microphone over to you as you share a bit of your story here. Thank you. It's on? Not on. Hello? Good now. Test? Test. Another mic. Do we have another mic we can grab? You wanna? Thanks, Dave. Switch. There you go. Test. Get a little reverb now. We good? Good morning. Like many Greek children, I grew up at a Greek Orthodox church. 
My parents did the best they could to bring me during my childhood. But I always struggled to connect with any of the religious and liturgical aspects of it. Fast forward past my adolescence and young adulthood, where neither church nor religion had played a place in my life, I met a young woman who introduced me to a new way of life, a different way of life, a meaningful way of life, a life where I can have a direct and intimate relationship with Jesus. I married this young woman, my wife, Tina. We now have two beautiful and healthy boys together and are raising them with biblical beliefs and encouraging them to be followers of Christ as well. Though my wife, Tina, never forced me to get baptized, it was in late 2022 when I witnessed my young brother-in-law on his last days of earth give his life to Jesus and accept him as a savior that removed every doubt in my mind that this is the past path I must take as well. To take this extra step of faith and get baptized before you, community of Christ followers. To be ready to renew and to acknowledge that in order to go to the Father, I must go through Jesus. And I must now walk the life he has planned for me. So today, I want to take a public confession that I'm saying yes to Jesus, who is calling me to follow him. I commit my life to freeing me from sin and death. My sins are now washed by his sacrifice. Amen. So, Stylianos, based on your profession of faith, saying yes to Jesus and loving him and following him, I now baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I'm on here. I'm not sure who'd like to go first here. Tiff, you want to go first? Don't slip, okay? Nice and fresh. It's going to be fresh. No? It's been so great to see Tiff and Pascal grow and uh, journey with us in so many new ways, and now to see them with their family, and many of you who are here encouraging them. Thank you for being here. It's, uh, it's been encouraging to see you, and, uh, and so, I, you know, I want you to just share. Do you want, do you want me to read? You, read? Oh, okay. you can do it. Yeah, there you go. Born and raised. Oh. There is magic. Hello. Yeah. Born and raised into a Christian family, my journey with the Lord started at a young age. My family and I attended Emmanuel Pentecostal Church every Sunday morning and sometimes Sunday evenings as well. I have great memories being part of Sunday school class, singing worship, and learning about God's wonderful story. Church had a big significance in our family, as I recall my parents shouting, we can't be late for church. <laughs> now, as parents, I find myself saying the same thing. <laughs> Fast forward to my teenage years, I was very much involved in the youth group at our church and attended youth almost every Friday evening. This is also when I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I knew from that day forward that I wanted the Lord to use me for his purpose and for others to experience God's goodness in their lives. Little did I know it was already a part of his great plan. Not long after praying hard about this is when God put my husband Pascal into my life. I brought him to youth one night, and from then on, God began his wonderful work in our lives. It came with its sets of challenges and sometimes questions that I didn't always have the answers to. But God always was always faithful and didn't give me this task to do alone. Amen. Here we are today, my husband and I getting baptized. 
This is something that has been on my heart for a very long time, but I needed a reminder of how important this act of obedience is in my walk with God. Thank you, Pastor Dom, for reminding us. I am so grateful for our pastors and church family here at the 180 and can't wait to see the wonderful ways God will continue working in my life and those around me. Today, I want to make the public confession that I'm saying yes to Jesus, who is calling me to follow him. I commit my life to, to him, freeing me from sin and death. My sins are washed by his sacrifice. Wow, wow. You know, I, I think of uh, Tiff's testimony and how beautiful that uh, our friends and families and our story kind of leads us in different ways. And her experience in a Pentecostal church, maybe some of you are familiar with that. Pentecostal churches, they can sing, they some dance, but it's a beautiful expression of our faith in different ways. And so we're so grateful, Tiff, for your step to do this. I've seen you already as a mom, and I could hear you kind of yelling maybe at your kids as well. Pascal's like, yeah, it's, it's intense, it's intense. <laughs> The baptism is going to purify you. <laughs> purify the anger. It purifies the anger. <laughs> I'm kidding, but uh, in, uh, in a minute I'm going to baptize Tiffany. But I want to just remind you again, as Pastor Michael said, that this baptism is not just for Tiffany, but it's for us. For you to see how God is at work, no matter where you're at or how far you feel from God or how familiar you are with Christianity, that maybe God is calling you to take this step publicly. And Tiffany, in this moment and your profession of faith, and your public commitment to follow Jesus as Lord, and I now baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Proud of you, proud of you. She did it, bro. How are you, buddy? Good. Good to see you, man. We need to, do we need to add more water or what? Oh, easy, easy, easy on the word. I think we have here a testimony. Uh, it's somewhere. Uh, th thankfully, you put name on it. <laughs> Pascal and I have been getting to know each other for like a, a few years now. I remember one of the first times we met and we really kind of hit it off just connecting was at a wedding. I officiated a wedding and it was just, Pascal was the best man and uh, just chatting, connecting with him, then starting to see him connect more and more at church. And uh, I'm really proud of him because uh, part of his story has been to articulate for his family who are believers and who maybe are not sure why he was doing this and, and kind of being sensitive with those who maybe have questions and, and you've done that well and I've been praying for you this week. And so for family members who are watching, or anyone, uh, just uh, we want to encourage you and know that you're not doing this alone, you know, and so uh, I'll let you read. In my earlier years, I was raised within a Catholic church. My family would go to church almost every Sunday. Growing up, God was certainly a part of my family's life. My brothers and I spent a lot of time with my grandparents on weekends, and I recall my nunna always praying with us and for us. My nunna certainly played a big part in my faith and opened my heart to trust in God. As years went on, I spent less time in church, and it became more of a tradition to go during holidays. Fast forward to my high school years, I met Tiffany. When we started dating, she asked me to come to youth with her at church on Fridays. At that time, that was foreign to me, and I had no idea what I was getting myself into. <laughs> spending, my, my, spending time in church on a Friday night was not my idea of a first date. My first few times at youth Watch gave me... Watch who you date. <laughs> my first few times at youth gave me a new perspective on Christianity and my faith. I knew at that moment that meeting Tiffany was God's work and was intentional in bringing me closer to Him. I later began going to Sunday services with Tiffany and her family. It felt very different from what I was used to, but I was so grateful for it. Over the years, my faith has only grown stronger because of all those experiences and opportunities. Most recently, attending the 180 Church brought me closer to God through Pastor Dom's preaching and the family that I have become part of here. I am so thankful for all of the people in my life that helped me grow my relationship with God, especially my wife Tiffany. I don't know if I would be in this position today if God didn't speak to me through her. Today, God is a big part of my family's life. We put him first in our children's lives and our own lives. We make him our priority. Like anything in life, you will always make time for something or someone that is important to you. We always encourage our children to love like God, uh, love like God does and do so by leading by example. 
I hope to continue to grow my relationship with God and that he continues to work his ways into my life to help me learn and understand his word and use me to bring others closer to him. Today, I want to make a public confession that I am saying yes to Jesus, who is calling me to follow him. I commit my life to him, freeing me from sin and death. My sins are washed by sacrifice. Amen. How do you think? How do you Again, I hope you, you sense how special it is in your own life, how God is at work, and how he might be speaking to you through, through the relationships that you have. So, Pascal, now based on your profession of faith, clear testimony of how Jesus has been at work. One, we're so proud of you. Proud of you, bud. Get proud of you. And I want to baptize you in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hey, I'm going to have you all stand as we just uh, head out here. Again, maybe for some of you, uh, this was a confirmation that uh, God is calling you to be baptized and that you are paying attention now to new things that you must be devoted to in a world that will offer you many ways to unsubscribe and move on to the next best thing. So let's just pray before we go this morning. Jesus, we're so amazed at your love for us, but not only that, your grace and your patience with us as we struggle to understand what it means to take the next step. I pray for those this morning who need courage. I pray for those this morning who need strength to just stick with what it means to follow you in a world that is tempting them to walk away and to disconnect and to move on. As we go through this series, would you continue to help us to pay attention to maybe the wrong things we've devoted ourselves to and to recommit in a fresh way to letting you form new roots and deep roots in our life. So many people in our families and in this province are depending on us being devoted to your ways. So help us, Jesus, to do that well. We pray this in your name. Amen. Hey, God bless everyone. Thanks for being here. Greet those who are baptized. We'll see you next week. God bless everyone.